What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 14, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace the fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Nathan Bourne, and this is going to be a bold statement, but this may be one of the best conversations I have ever had. Now, maybe Nathan and I are brothers from another mother, or maybe there's something really special here. Nathan is a single dad to three beautiful kiddos, and he is a very successful businessman. And he is authentically himself, something that I am working on. There are nuggets in this conversation that if you really listen and allow to grow inside of you, it could change the trajectory of your life because you will be living as who you are. Enjoy this conversation, my friends. All right, what's up, Nathan? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Nuts. How are you today, man? I'm doing well, Ned. How are you, man? Dude, I'm really excited. You know, just it's like it's been a work day and then I've been thinking about this. You know how the day goes. It just like it's filled with stuff. But when I sit behind this mic and I'm about to talk to another passionate dad about fatherhood, it's like the whole world pauses and I just really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. So stoked to hang out with you. Heck yeah. Yeah, man. And we met just really about a month ago. We were connected in, in business and uh, you're out on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. And we just had a connection. And through that conversation, we're like, dude, we should be rapping about fatherhood and hit a record button. Love it. Yeah, I'm excited, man. This is, uh, I think it'll be a challenging moment to kind of uh, unveil some of the uh, wonderfully unique challenges of fatherhood. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's going to be good. So we'll, we'll start off, we'll start off with some easy ones for you. So how old are you today? I'm 32. Yeah, 32 32 in October. Okay, awesome. Happy birthday. And then how many kiddos do you have? Three, three kids, yeah. And what what are their ages? You know, normally when I say that in this day and age, people are like, "Oh, that's amazing." But you over here with five, you're like, "Ah, it's nothing." <laughs> three is oh. three is amazing. <laughs> three is amazing. And I saw the picture you sent over of you and your kids. They're beautiful, man. Beautiful. Thank you, thank you. My oldest is Amelia. She's seven. Uh, Rosie, Rosabelle, but Rosie, um, she is five. And then Judah, my son, is two. Dig it. Dig it. Yeah. Fun ages, but also challenging, right? I mean, it's work. Yeah. It's oh, all yeah. work. I mean, now we got a 14 year old. So now I'm navigating a 14 year old daughter, ninth grade, you know, that. So it's a whole different thing. You know, it's good. Once on you, you. <laughs> yeah. Once you learn one stage that it's already gone, the next stage right. is here. Okay. So three kiddos and then single dad, right? I am. Yeah. I've got kind of a crazy story in that regard. I'll give you the short version. So uh, I got married at 23 and uh, we had our two uh, daughters, Amelia and Rosie, and we divorced um, in 2016 legally um, and then got back together, reconciled mm-hmm. and had our son Judah. We did not legally remarry, but that was the, the plan. And then when he was four months old, she said she didn't want to do it anymore and uh, asked me to move out. So most of my parenting, most of my fatherhood has been as a single single father, a single parent. And uh, it kind of feels like I've been through two divorces. Right, um, right. Yeah. Gnarly. So <clears throat> getting married at 23, would you – would you recommend to your kids to get married at 23? Is it, does that, has, no. has your story changed anything for the, the kind of the story you're going to prep your kids for? You know, yes. But as we know, we only have so much influence. Um, yeah. So, you know, if I had my druthers, yes. Here's how I see it. You can rent a car, or I should say you can't rent a car until you're 25, but you can get married at 18. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. 
<laughs> we'll go know, fight so. for our country at 18. Yeah, right. Like the things you can do at 18. Can't drink a beer until you're 21, <laughs> but you can get married. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So I would say that um, that's too, that's a little too early. Yeah, it's a little too early. So, yeah, it's interesting because you know, like I got married at 21. I'm 37 now. Um, but you know, it's just everybody's story is so different, but the things that you and I go through as fathers, it's like those shape the reality we're painting for our kids, you know, cause in some instances I'm like, dude, it's been cool. We grew up together and, uh, just wild having five kids before I was 30. But then I go, we would have loved to travel or do things together. So, you know, you kind of just, all right, kids, here you go. This is my story. However yeah, it can help you. It is. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, as a, as a single father, what has been your greatest, your greatest strength? Yeah. Um, surviving. <laughs> um, I know that sounds crazy, but with three kids that are so young, I, I do feel like um, my job when, when I have them is to keep them alive and everything above that is just stellar. You know, I'm like, yeah. everyone's alive. Nobody choked. Nobody got hit by a car. You know, we, we kept everyone alive. And obviously that sounds like a, a low bar, but I think parents can relate to that, that there's a, a season that is, it, it feels like you're literally trying to keep them alive um, and all the, the moving parts that come with parenting. So then you fight for those little moments of connection in between all the chaos, right? You yep, yeah, laugh, totally tickle session that little you know wrestling match um so for me and I, I, if there's any other uh single parents listening single fathers i'm sure there are just statistically um it's it's this whole um recalibration that you have to do in the form of quality versus quantity mm. so if if you're I mean, even if you are the primary parent right the entire vision that you had for your life and for your family and what it was going to mean for you is no longer there. It's, it's a death to that dream. And uh, that's tough. And I grew up one of nine children to parents that didn't divorce. So I actually had the full picture of a family, very dysfunctional family in, in different ways, but they, we stayed together. So it was right. hard for me because I didn't know what divorce looked like. And even at 32, I can remember my friends that were divorced. It was kind of odd. You know, they, they, there was always like a, a backstory to that, that maybe there was, you know, substance abuse or, you know, it, divorce is more common now, but even, you know, 20 plus years ago, your friends that were divorced, you, you kind of wondered about a little bit. Yeah. Didn't mean that the married people were happy per se, but they stayed married. But they stayed married. So you used a really interesting word, which I think can be really powerful for everybody. And you said recalibration, right? Yeah. Dying to the dream. So talk to me about that for a minute, because I think sometimes as men, when we come to that crossroads of a decision to recalibrate, we just become passive or just obsessed with our work. We don't say, you know what, I'm still going to go all in on this dad thing and I'm going to recalibrate what my vision for this was. How was yeah. that processed for you? Are you still in that process to some some level? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's probably evergreen. I think it's probably something that is a constant a constant thing because uh, of what you mentioned earlier. It, it has all of its stages. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think women traditionally are more known for envisioning their family unit and, and what it's going to be like in all those stages. But men are the same way, right? We imagine what it'll be like to have the little kids and then the elementary kids and then the teenage kids. And um, I had a first this week, dude, I texted my ex-wife and my daughter texted me back. Now she's seven and she can mm -hmm. read, she's sharp. And I know she's good with technology because she's got the tablet and she does the YouTube kids things, but I've never had a texting conversation with my seven-year-old. Right. Like, no, like, mm. what? like you're old enough to read what I texted you and respond and like add emojis. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> right? So as those stages occur, you come up at the precipice of what you had envisioned or you wouldn't have gotten involved with that person. I mean, yeah, maybe there's the, the prom, the prom night, that you knocked somebody up, but that's not most people's stories. You know, most right, people's right. thoughts became things and their feelings became things. And then uh, you spend the rest of your fatherhood um, recalibrating in, in real time. And that is a, uh, an exercise that I think is, 
is tough. I just think it's tough, you know, and I'm maybe still in it. You know, maybe there's people listening that can say, hey, you know what, eventually it, it's sort of set in stone and, and you have your new trajectory. Um, but I mean, the holidays right now, tough time, dude. It's mm-hmm. a tough time to be a single parent right now because there's just this, it's just, dude, it's not the way God designed it. Right. It doesn't mean you're doomed. It doesn't mean you're not going to be happy. It doesn't mean you're not going to have an amazing legacy, but there's just something that is not right about it, that you're like a family is supposed to be together. Um, but then we, for I can't, you know, wrap my brain around this, obviously. Um, it's, it's just a tough, tough topic, but for whatever reason, you know, my mistakes, her mistakes, incompatibility, maybe sin before the marriage I and mean, all the things, somehow that unit's not in place. And it, it's, it's, it's tough to, um, to navigate. It's tough yeah. to navigate. Yeah, man, that's just the truth, right? And it's not like there's this answer necessarily to it, you know, but you said, you know, that maybe some guys would say, you know, you eventually hit this set in stone. But I would I would almost say that that's not the place that you want to be either, you know, that that continued recalibration is probably important to pause and reflect on your life. Regardless, now, I think it is harder, like you're saying, if, if, you're, you're married, you got the kids, you're doing the whole, like everything just seems to kind of be the way we maybe thought it was going to be. We might get just so ingrained in that, that we don't pause and go, hang on, do I like the trajectory of this? Just because it feels like, you know, quote unquote normal. But I think to pause as a man, as a leader of your home and to go, okay, where have we been? Where are we today? And where do I want to go? And then make some decisions to go there. Dude, I just did a wild thing. It's not wild, but to (laughs) me, it changed some things. So I love planning. And I was doing some 2021 planning um, of like, okay, three years, five years, 10 years for my businesses, right? Pretty easy to do. And underneath my three, five and 10 year, I don't know what gave me the idea, but I put what my kids' ages were going to be at those (sighs) things. Because like when I think three years, my business, I'm like, all right, bro, January 1st, you're going to get up at 4 a.m. and you're going to crush it so that you can do X, Y, and Z. But then I put, you know, Brooklyn's going to be 17 in three years at the five-year goal. Brooklyn's moved out. So all of a sudden I was like, Oh shit, do some of the things that I need to do to get there matter? Because at the 10 year goal, my Stella 17 or 18, she's out. And so it's like, what the hell does it matter? So it matters, but having it in context with that was really eye opening as I'm trying to recalibrate where I'm headed after 2020. Well, that's powerful. I mean, that's the, the definition of, of putting in the big rocks, right? If you've seen mm-hmm. the illustration with the fishbowl, you know, where you have the bigger rocks and you have the stones and you have the sand, yeah. and the water, right? So what's interesting is, is you put the big rock when you, when you do that plan, right? People don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. So mm-hmm. when you map out that plan and you don't write your kids' names on the big rocks <laughs> and it, it's, it's like, we do this, right? Men are the worst. <laughs> like we're the worst <laughs> because we're, we're, we're designed to, to conquer. And, you know, we're, right. we're outside of the cave, you know, we're, we're tackling and, and killing the bear or whatever. So, so in modern time, it shows up in our careers and it shows up in our affinity for sports and, and, you know, that uh, kind of wild at heart uh, approach to the masculine journey, if you will. And, uh, and I, by the way, just for the record, like I'm not a manly man. I, I am. I come from a very masculine father that hunts and kills and is like the essence of a man. And I, uh, I like Shit's Creek. Like I'd rather watch <laughs> that <laughs> and see David do his thing and <laughs> Shit's Creek. And I can do a disturbingly good impression of him um, that I, I won't do right now. But I, uh, <laughs> I say all that to say that, like, I, I am. Uh, much more into the finer things in life, mm. but it doesn't mean that there's not this like conquerors blood that goes through me. Right. And I think yeah. it's a thing. I think it's a male thing, you know, but, but I say all that to say that those big rocks are everything because now you're going, Oh, well maybe if that's the priority, the trajectory isn't quite because realistically I've got to right. do this and this and that. Right. So I think that's that prioritizing comes in and I've had to do that for sure. And I think what happened, right. Chicken or the egg here is I didn't do that early on. I didn't mm-hmm. do that at 23 and 24, 25. I thought we were married 
therefore will always be married. And I can forego this now because it's going to result in freedom. It's going to result in lifestyle. It's going to result in time with the kids. It's going to result in great vacations. And dude, I ruined the marriage by not putting those back, those big rocks in, in those early years. Now, you know, that's so powerful. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like it's a hundred percent, man. I mean, it's funny because I never thought about it that way. Like the downfall in a sense was because you came from a family that we all could say our our family's dysfunctional, but they stay together. So divorce is not even something that exists in the trajectory, the vision I have. So that means that I don't have to do when when I was served the divorce paperwork. I was like, wait, what? Like, no, we're not actually getting divorced. You know, we're just separated right now. Mm. And this is how delusional I was. I was dating another girl. I was dating somebody else in the separation and was shocked that I was getting served divorce papers. Because like, you're like, it's just going to eventually work out. Yeah, like, we're going to be back together. We're a family. We're, we have kids. Like, what are you talking about? We can't get divorced. You're just going through something right now. And I'm going through something right now. And I look back at that. You know, this is five years ago. Like you're an idiot, dude. Right. But I didn't know what I didn't know. I was unconsciously incompetent. And I think what happens is that there's, you know, it goes back. I mean, you nailed it with your interview with, with uh, John Eldridge. I mean, we're all unfinished, man. We're unfinished men being led totally. by unfinished men. Yeah. But dude, the, the, your story just now, I think it, it hits me a lot and it hits, you know, everybody listening to go, Dude, I can't just assume that I don't have to do the work to, to to get the thing that I ultimately want. Like it's not just going to happen. I think sometimes in our culture we think like next year's I'm going to make money, more money than yeah. I did this year. Next year I'm going to have a better job offered to me. Not if you're not doing the work, bro. Not if you're not investing in that marriage, investing in your kids, investing in the shit that you want. Yeah. If you want it, you got to go put the work into it. And you what know? sucks is either you discipline yourself or life disciplines you. So ah. in certain certain areas, man, I've disciplined myself and I, I have fruit. It's all about the fruit, mm-hmm. right? It's in the fruit, man. So so I can I can point to categories and verticals of my life and be like, I'm consciously incompetent. I know that so well, or excuse me, I'm consciously, I'm unconsciously competent. I know it so well that I don't even know I know it, right? Which is in areas of uh, business or, or relationships or, you know, not this particular relationship, but, but, you know, enterprise relationships, there's things that, that I did the work on that when I planted the seeds, seeds, I've reaped what I've sowed, but I didn't apply a lot of those principles to the, the, the ground that was once fertile, but dried up. And it, it, it chaps my ass, dude. You know what I mean? Like every day I carry that because mm-hmm. I know the principles of success. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're not a schlep rock. You're listening to it because you you know some shit about some shit, right? Yep. So the people that, that you surround yourself with, either directly or indirectly through your platform, we know. We know how to have a, a, a successful fantasy football team. And we're putting yeah. more principle towards our fantasy football mm. team than our family unit. Why but do we do that? Work. Well, do we do it? Because it, it, it's a constant and men love constants. We hate variables. We hate algebra. We don't want to solve for X. And you put a woman into the X. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a brutal. And if you don't solve for X, guess what? She's going to become your ex. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. I don't know why I thought of that. You know, play on words, but there you go. That dude, that's it's it's we smile at it because we know how true it is. Yeah. And and how hard it is. I mean, just last night, my wife and I are laying in bed and she's like, super easy, dude. Like super easy. But <laughs> she's still a woman. Right. She's like, I really need you to find, you know, I told you four days ago, I need you to find a present for around this price range. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, you want me to spend time on it right now, but you don't like, you're telling me this, but then you're also, I'm like, and then she's like, Ned, 
I know I can be easy, but I'm still a woman. Like I still am difficult. Okay, like I know you don't understand <laughs> and you, yeah. and you, you won't. <laughs> Do you remember, this is one of my favorite movies. Do you remember the movie, uh, what women want with Mel Gibson? Uh, yes. You have to tell me this plot a little bit, but I know okay. the name. The short of it is Mel Gibson, you know, at the time he's like the head honcho at like an advertisement agency. And, uh, they, the, the boss man, like his boss, he's way up, but like his boss, maybe even the owner of the company brings in this woman, it's Helen Hunt. And she's now the, the new sheriff in town. And yes. uh, they're given this task to, to essentially market women's products. He hits his head. And he wakes up and he can now read women's minds. He can literally hear what they're thinking, right? Yeah. So he's walking into work the next day and it's like, whoa, did I just <laughs> vocally hear that, right? So, so it's a great movie. It's a good flick. Um, but I, I am going to share with everyone in this moment what women want. And I know that that's a bold statement. Like, who are you, Nathan Bourne, at 32 years old, uh, divorced with three kids? Here's what women want, Nick. You ready? They want everything they want <laughs> fucking everything <laughs> excuse my language they want everything they want you to be the provider they want you to be the supporter they want you to be uh a dominant they want you to be submissive they want you to be, <laughs> they want you to be like god they want you to be like the servant they want you to be everything so here's the, here's the caveat it's impossible Right. We can't be rich and poor. We can't be funny and smart. We can't be fashionable and, you know, approachable. Like it's like all the things because most women have dated a, a few guys and they, they, they have this like mega man in their mind, which is really a, a Frankenstein of their high school boyfriends, their college boyfriends, and now you. The only thing that bridges that gap is God, dude. Mm. And that's what I didn't do in my marriage. I mm. did. I was self-reliant because everything else in my life, my wrestling career, my business career, you know, my, my academic career, I could do it with limited resources. But because you didn't have that X factor, you didn't have that. Because that, 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 yeah. you knew it always equaled a hundred. It didn't, formula, X couldn't exactly. be a variable, right? Exactly. I could solve the equation because I knew the constants. I, and well, here's the difference. I was the X. I was the, the variable. So in mm. those equations, I know it's going to fall on me, whether I yeah. show up, I wake up, I put up, you know what I mean? I do all that stuff. And within a margin of error, the output will be success. Right. You add right. another person that you've led into the, the, the most vulnerable parts of your life, well, now you're, you can't solve for that. You can't prepare for that. There's no book you can read, seminar you can go to, age you get to, amount of children that you have. It's only God. So whether the legal document of your marriage is in place or not, that's just a tangible thing. But there's probably people listening right now that are completely 100% married that are worse than if they were divorced. Right, totally. But I, so, so on one hand we could go, oh my gosh, it's just not going to work. Men and women, it's just not going to work. We probably shouldn't get married. We probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do something different than get married. Or, or we go, okay, this is totally an adventure. It's totally a journey that I really don't have control of. I could be the most kick-ass, almost hit every bucket and still things could go south. Still things could be difficult, but then it's not, it's also allowing you to cut out your selfishness. It's allowing you to become a greater person. If you're constantly rubbing up against that stone, the hope is that something smooth and awesome is down the road. But we're talking like 80 years down the road. Not like I put the work in for fantasy football and I kick my friend's asses in a few months, you know? And I think that's one of the harder part for us men is, is like, the work it's going to take to have a killer marriage. I mean, okay. I think if we were really to pause and go, yeah, at 85, I would really love to have a, a, a wife. Like, you know, when you see the movie, it's like, um, I mean, I've heard of the movie, The Notebook. I've never seen it. Okay. Let's just be clear. <laughs> never watched it. I don't never like watched. it. <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a, great, I told you it's a great movie, yeah. dude. Between but the Notebook and Cunning, sign me up for, <laughs> for Noah and, and uh, whatever the girl's name is. But yes, go ahead. But at the end, like, Dude, that is really where we all nod and go, damn, that's it, right? Like, that's it. That's beautiful. This is what I've learned. It it is what I'm learning, I should say, right? It's very real time. Um, And you touched on it a moment ago in the form of selflessness. 
being a man is about being selfless. Hmm. The challenge is if you can lose your identity in selflessness. So now you're a weak man and you might as well have been like literally had your parts cut off. Yes. So, so you see this spectrum where we've all, we all know men that are like saints and they're selfless, but they aren't masculine. They don't have a backbone anymore. They've completely given up and given in. And that is no better than being an arrogant asshole. So how are you both? Because remember, women want everything. They want it all, dude. They want you to be selflessly dominating. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? So you want but me that's, completely So that's leave. possible though. So it's I mean, dude, really what awesome. you just said is heavy, bro. Selflessness, you can lose your identity. So yeah. as men, how do we keep our masculinity? How do we embrace our how do we embrace our masculinity and go it's not hunting or knowing the finest wines in the world, right? right. It's yeah. it's something different. It's like giving of yourself, but maybe that's where you're finding your identity is this well, I'm a king and serving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're touching on it now because you're speaking words of, of royalty, words of legacy, words of of um, of generational. So it, it's an mm-hmm. infinite game. It has to be attached to eternal virtues. If you attach it to short term things like bank account, you know, promotion, uh, anything physical, dude, it, it all deteriorates. So what you do, what I found, this is the, the way to trick yourself into it. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm finding this now in my life and, and as I'm dating and it's like girls are like, oh, my gosh, like you, you, you're a pretty good guy. You know, and I'm, I've got a bunch that they don't know about. Right. That <laughs> they, they go learn the day that I'm out there. Right? But, but it's like it's like, no, I've just screwed this up for years. You know, I have like time. Yeah great you know like i have a lot of experience in doing this the wrong way and i know it like i come up against these moments where i'm like be quick to think and slow to speak you know and i i'm hardwiring philosophies that i simply didn't live by before but but here's what i think for whatever it's worth um when you attach it to things like honor and courage and respect and legacy now you're you're tapping into a source that actually gives you patience it's not because you're a nice dude i'm not a nice dude i'm a freaking asshole are you kidding me if left to myself i am a dick but if i can in those moments say what would a good man do what would an honorable man do and in those moments, and I, I, I don't normally get it right all the time, but I, I've just, I've disciplined my disappointments, man. And either you discipline yourself or life is going to discipline you. So if you're listening and life has disciplined you, then you know, I don't, I don't say anything else. You just know the pain. <laughs> I mean, you know the weight. And if not, keep disciplining yourself and thank God you're avoiding that pain. Yes. That's just the truth. Like it's, it's not fun to talk about, but that's just the truth. But if you know it, then you have the opportunity to go after it. It doesn't necessarily make it easier, but it allows you to step into who you and I would say we were designed to be. A hundred percent. And I would call it unbecoming. So what happens, I think as men, we're always so interested in becoming something, right? We want the accolade. We want the degree. We want the promotion. We want the status. We want to become. But the truth is life is not about becoming. It's about unbecoming all the things that aren't us in the first place so that we could be who we were meant to be. And guess what? We didn't make us. We didn't make us. And this is the hardest part about being a man that I've found because we love Legos and sets and technology and we love building things. Right. I love building companies. My brothers love building houses and building, you know, most men build. But we didn't build us. God built us and we have to unravel the whole thing. And it's so freaking hard (laughs) because it's not like a blueprint. It's not like. Uh, a, a code, you know, in technology, it's not like uh, connecting relationships in business or, or building strategies. I mean, we love that stuff and we can do it literally infinitely, endlessly. And our wives pull us away from it and say, Hey, get back over here with the family. Right. Yeah. 
and that's the thing too. And and I think this is like, I, I could be wrong about this. There's, I'm often wrong, but I think if men are being honest, they struggle with the fact that they'll be with their kids, knowing how precious that is, how important that is. And like thinking about everything, but being around their kids. And I have to battle that dude. Like I'm like, especially as a single dad, I, I will go days without seeing my kids. And I'm like torn up about it. I'm like, I can barely breathe. And then I get around them and I'm still thinking about other stuff like business and, you know, other things that I have going on. I'm like, dude, this is what you waited all week for. So I think there's this. How are you not hard on yourself in that? How, how, <laughs> the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm super hard on myself, man. And that's where I go back to the quantity. I fight for it just like I would fight for everything else. I fight for those connections. I fight myself. I, I grapple myself to be like, dude, lock it down. Be mm. present because they need you. And what I know about people in general, but men is we won't do things for ourselves the way we'll do it for other people. So I just keep reminding myself that Amelia needs me. Rosie needs me. Judah needs me. And there's days where I, 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 I could honestly not even get out of bed because it's just tough. It's tough being a single parent. Not because like legit, I joked earlier about like the survival fact, right? Like it is tough. Like I'll be in public and especially now with COVID, you know, it's like hard. Or yeah. like, there's the times where I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. So freaking bad right now. <laughs> I've lined all three of them, like right at the door. I've yeah. gone in and like, you guys right there and like held the door open while I'm in the urinal, you know, so that that's logistically hard. But what I think it, it really comes down to is the fact that you feel lonely in those mm. moments, you know, you, you're alone and there's not anyone that you can talk to about, it or just like shoulder it with. So if there's single parents listening, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's just, it's tough to be emotionally present as a single parent because you are in survival mode. You are trying to keep your kids alive, trying to, and what you're really fighting for is another dream, the dream that died. See, you've dealt with a dream that's dead, but you don't want to riddle away. I'm 32. I could do this all over again, get married, have three kids and pretty much be on track. Right. Yeah. So I have to fight mentally and emotionally for that dream. Otherwise, what girl's ever going to want to talk to me? Oh, that's really depressing. Not only do you have baggage, but you're like sad about it all the time. <laughs> you know, so it's like all of that is a concoction that is just a fight. And I think with God and with conversations like this and with good input and then being around other people that are saying, hey, maybe our situations are different, but the elements are still the same. Like I'm, I'm battling through it, too, here and there. So, you know, I don't mean to rant. I'm just. No, I think that your rant was perfect because I think that we are so hard on ourselves and I'm not saying like, just stop being hard on yourself. I think that sometimes we think life is supposed to be perfect and you're in my view in American culture of what perfect is, is probably drastically different than what God's view of perfect is. And so to hear you do the rant and everybody's along, like I, if you were looking at me, like I'm nodding. Right. And everybody's nodding, going like, yeah, dude, life is messy. Life is messy. And, and is that okay? Is that okay? And, and is it normal? And if you're not talking about it, you feel like it's not normal because you're scrolling through Instagram and you're like, dude, everybody else's life is just awesome. Right. And the reality is, we all have something messy, some at different levels, different degrees based on our stories. But my point is like, I go back to Adam and Eve in the garden and, and God's like, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. And then, and then Adam spends however long naming the animals instead of getting the girl. <laughs> and, and every day he's like, there's a guy bear and a girl bear. There's a guy lying, like, <laughs> but there's nobody for me. Right. So, so even before the fall, and this is just Ned's own interpretation yeah, love, love, love. before the fall, there's this longing he has. So we think it was all perfect based on all of my needs being met, but his needs weren't being met. And then when the girl shows up naked, he, <laughs> nice. he's, like, he's like, finally, he's all finally bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So yeah. there was this longing, there was this wrestling, there was this need, there was this messiness that he was experiencing. And that's before the fall. And so for me, I go, my view of the perfect marriage 
is probably not necessarily God's view because God clearly made this woman very different than me, right? So that probably so that Ned could become a better man if I choose to submit to the messiness and allow it to, and not, it could, it doesn't have to be just marriage. It could be all these other things we're talking about, right? Of messiness. If I can submit myself to that and, and, and selflessly be there, but not lose my identity, I can continue to become who God thought of when he thought of Ned, but I love this of unbecoming of all the things that I think are perfect. Yes. The unbecoming of the successful man with the businesses is, is different than God's, what he desired me to become. And all the, and all the imperfections, right? The anger, the impatience, yes. the lust, you know, the, 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 the things that are not of your making. So what I'm hearing you say, and that's gold that you're sharing right there. There's another part that I, you know, again, this is uh, Genesis according to Nathan and Ned, right? So yeah, I, yeah. I'm not a theologian, but, but, uh, I think there's some nugs in there that he he still worked. He prepared a place. What God shows us through the entire Bible is that he's always preparing a place. Mm -hmm. That's what he says about heaven. He says, I'm preparing a place for you, right? I have many rooms. So even though it, Adam wasn't fulfilled because a a, a bear wasn't going to do it. A lion or tiger (laughs) wasn't going to do it, right? A woman, um, he still worked to prepare that, prepare that, that place, prepare that space. And I think what we have to do is we have to work harder on ourselves than we do on our families. Hmm. We have to work harder on ourselves yeah. than we do on our spouse. We have to work harder on ourselves than we do on our businesses. Because if you have six hours to cut down a tree, you spend four hours sharpening your axe and two hours cutting down the tree. So people go from tree to tree to tree with the same dull axe. I took a dull axe into my first marriage and sucked. It was, it was like trying to cut down a tree with a, a hammer. Right. I, I've sharpened my axe since then. And I still have so far to go. It's an infinite journey. Yeah, it's forever. Yes. It's forever, right? So so don't get it twisted. There, there's no, you know, end to this. But I think the the key is if you start to lift your head up a little bit and go, what am I instilling in my children that is gonna outlive me? And Things, when we think of legacy, we think of things like finances, we think of, uh, you know, maybe privilege, we, we think of, of these uh, more tangible legacy, um, you know, aspects. But anger is legacy. That, that can be instilled in the DNA of your children. Unforgiveness is legacy. So we always put this positive approach to it. But but the real question is, and by the way, it's not all bad because I want my son on the wrestling mat to be just as angry as I was because that's what made me an All-American. It wasn't the nice guy in me. It was the best way I could kick ass and not go to jail and people would raise my arm and give me scholarships for it. Yeah. So it's not all bad. It's just about channeling it. It's about controlling it and understanding that life is a series of contrasts. We're all walking paradoxes. If not, then it's it's just bullshit. And I think a lot of people are are are, are like filtering everything. You know, we, we see that in 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 social media. But I think what people are really craving for is an, an authentic experience. And I think that the body of Christ, you know, look, dude, I'm dropping f bombs, but I've also got the Holy Bible right here on my bookshelf, like because that's just the freaking deal, man. We're we're in the fight, we're in the battle, and I think you just have to carve out moments with your kids to to just be with them and if that's what you're doing you're just being with them they're gonna be okay because you were you with them even if you are kind of jacked up because how many people do you know have daddy issues but they still love them it's like you should not love your dad that guy's a total asshole but it's hard <laughs> yeah. to do it right so but dude, yeah. to, 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 to do A plus B equals legacy of what you just said, I think is so freaking powerful because a moment ago you said you have to be working on yourself. Then we were talking about how you, when we think of legacy, we could be passing down anger. We could be passing down unforgiveness. So when you say be with your kids and be present with your kids, 
the father who is going to be present with his kids must be a man, not who's perfect, but who is working on himself. Yes. And then A plus B, then your kids down the road will be the type of human beings who are working on themselves. And then you pass down a tradition and a culture of growth. Yes. And and maybe it's anger, but it's probably going to be a little less angry than I was. Yes. And yes. maybe it's unforgiveness, but it's a they don't go five days not talking to somebody. They go three. I mean, I'm just making it up, right? Yeah, but, and here's but, the thing too. It's not about less of one thing. It's more of the other, right? You, you can't have an anti-war movement. You have to have a pro-peace movement. So it's not about less anger. It's about uh, more forgiveness. More peace. Or more, more forgiveness, yes. More grace, more love, yes. more, more, more. Oh. So, so the, the, you have to you have to double dose it, right? So because what I think people try to do is they try to they try to be less angry. That's like being less you. You're angry, dude. That it's hardwired. You can thank your dad's 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 dad for that shit, but you don't have you don't try to like rip that out. Just cascade it and encrust it. You know, it's a really interesting moment. Um, uh, it's kind of silly, but it's you know. This is why Disney and kids movies are so powerful for us to watch as parents because there's so many great lessons in them. But if you've seen the new Beauty and the Beast, the one that was just recently put out, you know, in like live form. And the, yeah, ago, live form. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, the most powerful part of that movie is at the end when everything is coming to light. So that dark, dingy castle is now lighting up and it's all getting encrusted in gold. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what forgiveness does. That's what love does. So you can't like rip out all the darkness. You have to fill it with light because really darkness yes. doesn't exist. It's just a lack of light. You know, you get right. Like darkness isn't even a thing. It's just lack of light. So you can only fill it with dude, more dude. light, more love, more patience, more peace. And then that legacy will ripple. Bro, bro, how you just called out my like, five you know go five days without talking to somebody to three the focus was on just the focus was on the darkness dude yeah, like those dude. statements the focus was on the darkness versus not even thinking or talking about that let's just bring some light in here yeah. dude that's gold that's gold man and and it sounds way more fun too oh it's way more fun and it's, <laughs> here's the thing you're you're pulling from the kingdom not from the pits of hell. Which comes, way, you need yeah. the energy behind it. You need energy behind it. So just pick your poison, like choose your heart. Which goes back to what you said a little bit ago is we're talking about royalty. We're, we're not talking yes, about legacy yes. bank accounts. We're talking about focusing on eternal principles. Yes. And then it's not about whether you're a dick or not. It's about, are you tapping into the source or not? Yes. Right. You're tapping into the source of light and bringing that in to cover up the darkness. That ain't even real. It's just, there's no light there. A hundred percent. And and you asked me, dude. Yeah. No, we'd be chest bumping right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you asked me in preparation for this conversation today, you said, uh, uh, what, what is the role of a father? I think the question. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a novice, you know, I'm an amateur on fatherhood. I'm, I'm seven years into it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just have lots of reasons why I don't feel like I'm qualified to speak to this, but I had to answer, right? I wanted to answer and I wanted to prepare my thought. And what came to mind was to lead by example. So it, what you're equipping, it's, a, it's about equipment. It, it's about showing your kids the source. It's not about having it all together. Because who is more forgiving than your kids? Nobody. Dude, you wow. could be an asshole to your yeah. kid. Ten minutes later, they're on your lap. You're an asshole to your wife. It takes like 10 days for them to forgive you. And they never forget, you know. <laughs> right, right. The kids forget too, huh? The kids forget. Dude. They don't even remember that you spanked them 10 minutes ago. They're like, what? So so you you if you can't like get it right with them – then you're jacked up, dude. That, that's a perfect place to practice being these things because they're going to give you a lot of grace, a lot of forgiveness. So the point being is that if you show them where the source is, and this is the thing, I, I'm one of nine children and my parents did a lot wrong, a lot, but they got one thing right. They showed me the source. God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. That is the greatest gift 
that they could ever give me in legacy better than a trust fund, better than a, you know, a, a plot of land, better than even stability. And I trust me, I've racked my brain and I always come back to the fact that I wouldn't trade it because they taught me the source. Now, I think there's some things they could have done very differently because God is a God of order mm. and and he 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 blesses order. He doesn't bless attitude or bless, uh, you know, good intentions. He blesses good intentions followed by order and structure and infrastructure, not like perfect planning, but just a capacity. So I think what it boils down to is that God's a really good steward. He's a good steward of his people, of his planet, of his creations. And he can only trust those that are good stewards. So leading by example and being stewards of our children, but showing them the source and, and, you know, the ultimate source, but even just like to be resourceful or to, to, to have grit, you know, or to have patience and to have all the things that equip them to be a positive person. And you can tell it all day, but here's what our kids are saying. I'm sorry. What you're doing is so loud. I can't hear you. It's, it's all by, by action, right? And back to forgiveness, back to grace, they give you so much time. Like all they want you to do is get it figured out before you die. Like, like literally if it's on your deathbed, you figure it out. They're like, we're good. We're cool. Thanks. <laughs> they don't need it done by the end of 2021. You know, your, your plan you mapped out that you put their names, they don't give a shit if it's done by then. They yeah. just, they just want in your lifetime, if you could, Get this shit right, please. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh my gosh, Nathan, bro, this is so good, man. This is so good. I'm uh, not uh, dude, it. <laughs> I mean, I'm it's like, like it hurts so good, you know. Yeah, I'm like struck. Like I got two, like a page of notes. I'm like, dude, it's just been so good. And I skipped all my initial questions. I'm like, do I go back to those <laughs> like lame questions after we just had so much good stuff? But I'm going to ask you a couple of questions as, as we're we're kind of winding up. I'll be concise, I promise. No, no, no. I'll, we'll talk forever. So this podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes. And it's, I mean, exactly what we're doing, right? It's like you're bearing your soul to us. You're opening up your heart's journal to share this stuff. And, and as a reminder, everybody, it's like all this nuggets you're hearing is is from a man who it's like, it's been, a it's been up and down. It's, it's like from the struggles, we become who we are. So on one hand, like whatever struggle you're in embrace, because it's going to shape you into a greater human. If you allow it to. When you and when you and John Eldridge were speaking, right. I start yeah. the podcast, right. And the first thing you guys talk about is how long you've been married. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> like He's like, I've been married for 37 years. I'm like, damn, I'm 32. And you're like 17 years. I'm like, I am not qual. Anyone that's going to listen to me is going to be like, this dude is a, is a wreck. What are you talking about? But I appreciate you, you talking about the, the, the candidness and the openness, because unfortunately I have a lot of experience in what not to do, <laughs> you know? So it's like discipline yourself or life is going to discipline you. So I, I, I'm loving having this conversation with you because I felt completely unqualified and I appreciate the validation that, Hey, you know what? We're all learning together, no matter what side of the coin we're on. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I could stand behind my, my trophy. I've been married for 17 years, but there's a lot of things that I did as to be a dickhead during different (laughs) times where I, you might not, it might not be as obvious as divorce. Right. And I think if, if what qualified a guy to be on here to talk about fatherhood was like, Hey, I want to make sure you've, you've been happily married for 20 plus years. Then as (laughs) men are, men are struggling and as men are coming to a podcast to try and get encouraged wherever they are. And you've got some dude who's been married three years and divorced or on a second or third marriage or whatever the story might be. They're going to just feel like I'm a lost cause, right? If, if that's the qualification and that's not the qualification. So to be able to have a dude on here, who's like, dude, just so smart, so well-spoken, so open, a dude can go, okay, Okay, it, it, there's like many paths to get to the place and there's many hurts, some that are very obviously seen by others and some that are not. So I appreciate your willingness uh, to share because I think that it's a critical piece because like you said, the reality of our world is like we would both say it's not necessarily God's design. A lot easier for me to say as a married man. So if I say that on the podcast, 
then anybody who's been divorced is going to feel like a piece of shit. But for somebody to come on who's like, hey, I'm a single dad right now, and I I can sense in my soul that it isn't exactly how it's supposed to be, but here I am. It is what it is. Is a totally different um, for a dude to come alongside and hear Nathan share that than me. You know? Um, okay. A couple of things. So fatherhood field notes, sharing your soul, the, the mantra is rebel and create, right? So we've talked about us dudes. Like we want to be warriors. We want to be a fighter. We want to be conquerors, builders. So we want to rebel, but then not just for the sake of like, you know, knocking over trash cans or, or tearing down people's mailboxes, which can be fun, (laughs) Um, fun. (laughs) but to then create something out of that. So what is something that you are rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? Totally. You know, you you had prepped me for this question, and I, I put in the type form a bullshit answer. But I, I now that we're in the moment, you know, real raw, I, I gotta I gotta recant that answer and and share with you what actually kind of drives me. Um, I, I'm just really over uh, conventional wisdom. I think we're subscribing to a bunch of bullshit that has been um, dished to us in, in ways that um, are simply not the full truth. So I think that what's happened is um, we've gone through this information age over the last um, 50 years, but particularly the last 20, right? So if you go back to Y2K, you know, from 2000 to, 2020, really just the last 10, five years, the amount of information that we have is insane. I mean, just Google. Yeah, and whatever. It's billions of results on toothpick, you know, whatever you Google. So people are still lost in the sauce thinking that they need more information. But what we're entering is that the, the age of wisdom, where it's how do you decipher through that information and really throw like, 99% of it away. So to answer the question, I'm rebelling against all that information because our brains can't handle that much information. We, we, we literally can't. If you think about this, think about technology companies, right? Every time that they grow and scale, like say Zoom, right? Zoom has blown up over the last yeah. several months for obvious reasons. Well, think about all the servers that they would need, you know, in fields in Las Vegas, they have to pop up another, you know, warehouse and fill it full of servers and make sure all the temperature's right so that they can handle all that data. Well, our brain is confined by its skull, our skull. So just physically, we would have to have heads the size of, you know, beach balls to even retain all of this information. So instead, we have to compartmentalize it. We have to we have to come up with filters, and those filters are good philosophies. They're wisdom, and the best place to find it, it's not the only place, but I find, is biblical principles. Mm. So I'm rebelling against all the bullshit that society is telling a 32-year-old man that what he's supposed to be, and a lot of it is so radical that it's actually traditional is the radical now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so wait, you don't just bang chicks all day? It's like, no, dude. It's like, or you don't just, you know, you're not tolerant of everything, like anything goes. No, I love everyone, but I don't just agree with everyone's lifestyle. Am I allowed to say, oh, I'm canceled now? You canceled me? So that's what I'm rebelling against. And I'm creating, I'm creating a space where people can stand for something because if you don't Stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And all of a sudden, believing something makes you a bigot. It's insane, dude. Like, you can't be a Christian and smart. Yeah, you can. They're le- they let me into pen for some reason. It's weird. I believe in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And somehow, my SAT scores and my GPA and my wrestling got me into the University of Pennsylvania. Don't know how that happened. It's absolutely insane. So I just, I'm championing for that. And I'm tolerant of everyone, but I'm not agreeing. I'm not co-signing with certain lifestyles. I'm just saying I love you no matter what, and I expect you to love me either way. But I'm not going to co-sign for that because I think it leads to something that might not be so great for you. Dude, I needed to hear that, man. That is so solid. And I think it le- it just shows so much because I know a little bit about you. It shows so much about how you run your company and your answer to the legacy you want to leave with your kids. There's something that's core to your purpose that you haven't said the word yet, but everything you've said 
when we hear this word, it's going to, oh, oh, this matters to this dude. So let's, let's wrap this up with talking about that. Like, what's the legacy you want to leave your kids? And, and really it's tied to the mission of your company and clearly the mission of your life. Totally, man. Yeah, it's, it's three words. Uh, lead with who. And I, um, I think we live in a world where there's lots of what's. There's just a lot of what's you can go on Amazon and dude, I, I, you asked me earlier about my desk chair, right? Because uh, it's a little squeaky. So there's a little yeah. issue with it. I just got it on Wayfair. So I'm like trying to get another one. And dude, the amount of options that there are for a freaking desk chair. And I like most of them. That's the problem. They're all swanky. You know, I'm like Jesus, will someone give me some desk chair wisdom? There's too much desk chair info. So here's my, what it to bring it back to the point um, is that there's too many what's and there's too many why's there's too many motives. There's too many purposes. Mm. There's only one who, and that's you. So what I realized is that here on my finger is my fingerprint. And of all the people that have ever walked the earth and the 7.7 billion that are currently on it and all the future beyond me, there's only one fingerprint that is mine. There's only one Ned. There's only one Nathan. So I have to wake up every single day and kick ass being that guy. And I have to go to the manufacturer of this who. If I want to know how my iPhone works, would I call Microsoft? No. Microsoft didn't make the iPhone. Apple made the iPhone. We're not going to the manufacturer to understand the product. So I'm going to God, not as often as I should, because I'm trying to read the manual. I'm trying to DIY it. You know, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dude. I can figure this out. Throw the directions away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I probably I put the desk chair together wrong. I didn't <laughs> That's why it's squeaky. <laughs> and here we are. Right? So, so I, I think we're in a time where people need to lead with who they are. Yes, And if they lead with who they are at the core level, it will transcend race and sex and socioeconomics and religion and creed. And it doesn't mean that I think that all religions are created equal or that everybody can do whatever they want. I have core beliefs that I stand on that I think are the right way. But the definition of sophistication is the ability to hold two opposing thoughts in your mind and be okay with it, but choose one. Uh, Most people can't do it. They're, I'm Republican. I couldn't possibly listen to anything Democrat. What? No, I'm both, but I'm choosing this one. And I'm completely okay with the fact that you're right in some areas and I'm wrong in others, but, but I've chosen this one every single day. And I think that's what people need. They need to feel connected to the volatile uncertainty of being a human that I think so many people are just pretending like they know what the hell they're doing. And and we don't, we don't know. So we got to leave with who. It's so good because so much of the time when we think about who am I, we, we don't, we go straight to why I do things or what I do, especially yeah. as men, right? We go to our motive, we go to our actions, but what you're saying to me is you can never really know the who unless you know where the who came from. Yes. Which is, pretty who bold, which is pretty bold, you know, in our day and age where nobody wants truth. There isn't an absolute truth Yeah, in our day and yeah, age. Yeah. They don't want that. No, they don't want it because it, 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 uh, it allows for uh, carte blanche. You can do whatever you want, you know, and, and kind of get away with it at that point. But, but if you have actual principles and you have guidelines, then, then now all of a sudden you have to deal with that. You have to deal with the cause and effect of that. It's not, it's not happen chance at that point. It's actual personal responsibility. And uh, that's the free will that God gave us that, that is so tricky because here we are in some ways we're predestined and in other ways we have free will. And, and the, you know, it's a whole other conversation. But I would just say this, for me as a father... I can see that my children are different and yet their nature, their nurture is relatively the same. 
Anyone that has more than one child knows that although they had a part in making that kid, my part was not very long, maybe 10, 15 minutes. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm proud that you went for minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. I was waiting for yeah. seconds. It's maybe like two or three. But, <laughs> so, but you, you start to realize that we're just like leasing these kids. They're not ours. They're, they're so much bigger than us. They're so much grander than us. And we're just stewarding them for a certain amount of time, maybe 18 years in a more authoritative way, a lifetime influence, right? And hopefully a, a, you know, infinite legacy to it. But when I recognized that they weren't even my kids, that who they are is from something so much bigger than me, then I approached it with a much deeper sense of humility and was like, I need to show them how to be a person and how to, to lead their lives in ways that, that they can go, hey, thanks for pointing me to the resource and not trying to be the resource. And I see this all the time with parents now that are uh, having adult children and they don't know how to handle the fact that they no longer have authority over their children because they're 25 and 26 and, and that, you know, a whole nother issue we could go into. But, but yeah, man, lead with who is the philosophy that, that for me, I'm just exploring and, 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 and you know, super new, but, but I found just a way to say, okay, that's going to be the guiding principle. That's going to be the blueprint for my life. And you inspired me. I had been, um, Thinking about it, people had said to me, hey, you should start a podcast. And in the new year, I'm actually launching a podcast Nice. Lead With Who. And it's going to have a simple tagline, a podcast about the wonderfully unique challenge that is the human experience. Dude, I love it. Well, as soon as that is out, tell me and we can share it with everybody because I know, I know, I mean, I know how I feel right now after our conversation and we've hung out once before. I just feel like, whoa, like what just happened? This was like a killer conversation super inspired, super enlightened in certain areas and challenged in others. And dude, I just, I appreciate the human you are. I appreciate, you know, that you take the vulnerable pieces, you take the the wrestle pieces, zero victim with it. Also zero, like pride from it. Like it's like, you've, you've just gracefully accepted what you have and you're willing to share it to allow other humans to grow. And you're growing from it too. And, and so many of us aren't teachable either. And you just seem like you're open and comfortable with who you are, knowing yeah. who you are. And, and so there isn't this big compare. And uh, I love it, dude. I love to well, see what I, you're going to do, man. I appreciate it. I just, I know how flawed I am. Like others don't, <laughs> but I know how flawed I am. And I think we all do. And yeah. I think when we, when we get in touch with that, we, we can give ourselves forgiveness and then Anytime others are graceful to us, it allows us to be graceful to others. And it's this beautiful ecosystem that I hope we as a, a human race can, uh, can, can fuel because it's a little bit scary how hard we are on each other. You know, somebody misspeaks and then they're just, they're done. You know, we cancel. Them. And it's like, maybe he just was thinking, you know, out loud. Doesn't mean that's who the person is. Now, some people that they've, they've hardwired it in ways that their fruit is there. But yeah, I think um, we just need to have a space to be able to to really explore who we are collectively and individually, and it'd be kind of safe, but also real and raw and maybe a little dangerous. Yeah. Dude, Nathan, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Field Notes. This has been an incredible conversation, and I look forward to continuing to get to know you and just, dude, blessing over you and your kids and, uh, and uh, you're a great dad, a great human being, man. Thank you for your time. Thank you, man. Likewise. God bless. I don't even know where to begin. That conversation was incredible. As I ended the conversation, I just jumped up from my desk and I'm just like, ah, on fire. It was incredible. I hope that you got as much of that as I did to connect men who are embracing the messiness of life and who are really working to discover and understand and believe and take action on who they are. That is what Rebel and Create is about, my friends. You and I knowing who we are, not just for ourselves, but because of our deep responsibility in this world, especially to our kids, but especially to anything that has been put in your lap you're responsible for. And my friends, ah, this was rich. And for us to be able to learn from each other's struggles, don't take it lightly. That is a man, a human being who opened up his heart and soul 
so that you and I could grow. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Loved it. All right, check it out. Every Monday, I put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, interviewing great dads like Nathan. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. Falls under the same Rebel and Create, but I call it Craft of Fatherhood. And I'll discuss a question or go over a topic for the month. Just random stuff, but good stuff. So check it out if you're interested. I know how busy us dads get, even though I'm trying not to say the word busy anymore. Uh, Check that out. All right, thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else, be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against a view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Do me a favor, please write a review on iTunes right now because this podcast was just epic. And man, nobody's going to do it for your friends. Share this episode. This ain't about me. This is about men collectively growing in who they are. And nobody's going to tell them unless you tell them. So I give you the authority, man. You can invite your homies in to their role as fathers. Share this episode. I look forward to talking to you next time.